This podcast is intended for UK and Ireland healthcare professionals only. It is my pleasure to welcome you to Series 2 and Episode 6 of the Interstitial Lung Disease Academy Spotlight Podcasts, brought to you by Boehringer Ingelheim. Featuring prominent members of the UK and Ireland ILD community, these podcasts hope to shine a spotlight on the great work being done around the country and break down some of the challenges facing us in delivering excellent care to our patients. My name is Dr. Anne-Marie Russell, a clinical academic at the University of Exeter Respiratory Institute and Royal Devon and Exeter NHS Foundation Trust, with a special interest in patient-reported measures and outcomes in interstitial lung disease and patient-centred approaches. Joining me on today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Shania Barrett, a consultant respiratory physician specialising in interstitial lung diseases at North Bristol NHS Trust. The focus of our conversation today will be about patient-reported outcome measures. Welcome, Shaney. Oh, thank you very much for Anne-Marie for inviting me to talk about this really important project, so thank you. Yeah, no, delighted to have you here. And so I wonder if I could start by asking you, Shaney, just a little bit about your current role in a specialist respiratory tertiary referral centre. Yeah, so I've been working as a consultant at North Bristol Trust for the last uh, five years, um, having previously undertaken a PhD um, in the basic pathophysiology of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Um, I co-lead the um, interstitial lung disease service um, and I've got a varied programme of of, of research ongoing, um, including both uh, clinical and basic science. Yeah, no, that's excellent. I'm very much aware of your work and the the important contributions that you're making to the ILD community. And I I know, Shane, we've had uh, clinical conversations in in the past. I'm aware that you place a very high value on patient-centred approaches in your clinical practice. Um, And I think this is particularly demonstrated in some of the work that you do around the palliative healthcare needs of the interstitial lung disease population. And so I'm interested in your thoughts, um, particularly as a a clinician, about how, um, I mean, I guess possibly predict, but maybe more specifically, how we manage disease progression and and which kind of clinical markers you, you generally find helpful. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, tr- traditionally, um, we, we've been very reliant on, on, you know, assessing efficacy measures and as- assessing objective measures of, of disease outcomes, for example, um, lung function parameters. And I think, you know, where, where this subject really comes to the fore is that, you know, we, we're really beginning to understand that there's sometimes a bit of a disconnect between our objective measures of of of, of disease progression and, and disease status compared to perhaps what the patient's really feeling. Um, and and that these these objective markers of, of disease progression um, may not really align with what the patient priorities are and the patient experiences. And I think that's driving forward the importance of these patient reported outcomes. Um, so that we can really so putting the, the patient really at the center of, of our of our management of their their disease um, and, and I mean the, the patient reported outcome I think the absolute importance of it is that, is that it's a self-reported measure 
um, and and where the patients may report on on their symptoms, on on their function, um, on their health status, or or, the, or their quality of life. Um, and, and and like I said, it's it's really should be used as a complementary measure um, against our more traditional efficacy measures. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I, I guess sort of um, over time, um, patient-centred outcomes has, has evolved or certainly the use of patient-reported measures has, has expanded, I think, particularly over the last decade. And if we think back to maybe some of the clinical trials in, in IPF, um, uh, generic breathlessness measures were included as secondary endpoints back in the capacity and, and ascend studies. Um, and then I guess we've seen a, a a bit of a move towards more holistic health-related quality of uh, life measures and, and the St. George's Respiratory Questionnaire was used in Impulses 1 and 2 and, and tomorrow. And, and now, of course, we've, we've got um, IPF-specific instruments uh, such as the, the LIPF and the IPF-PROM um, and the ILD health status measure, the, the K-BUILD, as well as the symptom-specific measures. So I guess there's sometimes there's quite a lot of measures to to choose from, um, and I and again, Shani, I'd be interested to know about your experiences as a clinician and, and as a researcher um, about how you uh, approach the, the the sort of selection of those measures or your experiences of the utility of the the measures with your patient population. Yes, thanks, Anne-Marie. So, um, I think I think perhaps what's what's important to kind of clarify at this point is that not all patient-reported information is a is a patient-reported outcome, um, and and not necessarily to say that these other measures aren't important, but things like a, a patient experience. Um, perhaps a patient-reported health behaviour um, and certain uh, patient-centred outcomes, for example, um, end-of-life outcomes or, or, or their quality of, 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 their, of, of their disease management is not necessarily a patient-reported outcome. Um, but for, for me, the, 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 the PROMs and the patient-reported outcomes really are particularly, from a clinical perspective, are useful um, in 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 um, in the palliative access aspects of the disease um, and, and symptom management, which is such you know a prominent part of our disease management, um, and we use our our own uh, method of, of 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 questionnaire for patients. But it's interesting that that these these patients can are, are sometimes more happy to write things down about what's troubling them um, than what they might be in in a consultation it really enables us to to focus on on things that are actually important for the patient to discuss in the consultation so clinically i find it quite helpful to direct the consultation um, is one particular cl- clinical um, aspect uh, where, where where you know that they can become very useful um, and, and so I'm, I'm guessing uh, certainly our patient population are quite complex and the, the symptom range from cough to breathlessness to fatigue um, is, 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 is wide ranging. Um, and, and so you, you said that you, you find sometimes using a questionnaire quite helpful to direct that conversation and maybe learn a little bit more about that symptom experience. Do you um, do you have um, specific measures that that you use? Um, do you do you are you very much guided by um, the, the the interaction with the patient and, and where that conversation is going? 
Yeah, so I think I think again, you know, with the range of, of patient reported outcomes, I think it's important to to clarify what what you um, you know what you want to focus on um, as as an outcome. Um, so as as you uh, mentioned in the introduction, there's there's numerous patient reported outcomes that may be generic or disease specific, and each. Uh, patient reported outcome may focus um, on on a certain aspects, for example, um, symptoms um, that may differ from from other uh, patient reported outcomes. I think we we none of the current uh, patient reported outcomes really focus particularly on fatigue, um, and um, cough is often a prominent um, uh, symptom for our patients. And, and, and some of the disease-specific questionnaires um, don't really focus on that either. Um, so I think it's really important um, to determine what 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 actual uh, symptom or what you want to achieve or what what you're assessing with the patient-reported measure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I guess it's you made a very important point earlier, Shaney, that. Um, this is is sort of capturing um, the patient's subjective experience of their their symptom or the experience of the disease process, um, and and I I wondered um, if a patient is is completing a, a, a questionnaire in in your clinic or in your research setting. Um, is it something that they, they they tend to do in independently? Is it something that patients are are happy to do? Do do they worry about the length of the questionnaire? Yeah. So again, that's you know a really important point about um, the different types of patient reported outcome measures that we have. So. Um, Again, it's it, it, you, we need to take these all into consideration when choosing the the, the right um, measure for for you and for your clinic situation. So, some uh, patient reported outcome measures are are self completed, and others may may be delivered by interview. Um, and clearly, there's positive and negatives of both. Um, and 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 to bring in the the point of resource here is 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 a clear important one of about. And the resources to deliver these um, patient-reported outcome measures. I think most clinicians would would agree that a patient-reported outcome measure, you know, really engages the patient and, and treats the patient as a whole and not just as a disease. But I think there are often barriers for implementation, which are which are real barriers. Um, for example, the the time resource. Um, and, and that's from a, a clinician perspective, but perhaps with also the healthcare system. So, h- how does it work within, you know, to integrate that within the clinical workflow? Um, I think there's other, other aspects to consider from, from the patient perspective. Um, so, what what are the li- you know what are the literacy levels of, of patients to enable them to complete a self-reported or a self-completed? questionnaire or, or, or patient reported outcome and you know are the patients too sick to, to, to complete these so I think these are all really important um, sort of on the ground factors um, to, 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 to take on board when trying to implement these um, in, in your you know in your clinic scenario. Um, and that leads me on quite nicely, Shaney, to sort of think about where we've been <laughs> during the course of the, the, the COVID pandemic. And of course, our approaches to care have, have had to change phenomenally. Um, and in other disease contexts, there have been uh, there has been a movement to 
um, incorporate electronic patient reported outcome measures. And I, I guess we're thinking about uh, how we digitalize our approaches in, in many aspects. Um, is, is that something that you've had any experience of or that you've, you've had conversations with in your clinical practice about that approach? Yeah, I mean that's certainly something that we we are looking into actually, um, in into the the IT systems in order in order to to develop these. I think you know again it's a uh, we need to consider resource issues, um, um, and and you know familiarity with with, with the actual patient reported outcome. Um, I guess I guess the other thing is it's not just about completing the questionnaire online. You have to. Um, there are other considerations um, such as actually delving into what the what the um, uh, patient reported outcome is actually measuring. So are there aspects there that that need follow up clinically? It's not just about getting a, a number or or a score. Um, you know, it's really delving into what that patient's trying to tell you and actually um, clinically managing that as well. Um, so I think you know, whilst um, introduction of of um, IT systems would make that a lot more fluid. Um, it's getting those IT systems talking to each other, but not forgetting that actually there needs to be a, a, a clinical um, aspect to this and, and, and reading what, what the patient's trying to tell you. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point, Shaney, and it, it makes me think about some, as a, as a clinical academic, some, sometimes there's a disconnect between research and clinical practice. And we might use outcome measures in research setting, but not necessarily um, think about how that impacts clinically on on the patient. And mm -hmm. you, you you said um, uh, importantly earlier on that um, you sometimes might use a a, a paper based questionnaire or an outcome measure to open up a conversation with a patient um, about a, a a particular symptom. Um, and so is that something that you would you would tend to do sort of selectively? Would you would you tend to sort of look at the score or um, uh, is it very much guided by by the patient? Is, does it bring a, a, another level of, of usefulness uh, to that clinical consultation? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, certainly um, in our own practice, we, we have um, something called a how are you form. Um, and, and I think often it's the free text box right at the bottom of that box that enables the patient to um, to, to, to put anything that they're worried about. Um, and, and I think that you know, really enables the patient to bring their agenda um, to, the, to the consultation. And so um, to ensure that, you know, things that are troubling them are, are brought up in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and do you think that the, the measures we have currently are, um, <laughs> I, I guess, good enough? Do you, do you, do you think they work well or, um, or, or do, do they maybe have some limitations? Yeah, so I think you know we, we've got a wealth of, of of patient reported outcome measures, but I think there's still not enough, um, and and it's how they've been validated as well. So, um, for example, um, you know the St George's Respiratory Questionnaire. It's a it's a it's a generic um, uh, uh, reported measure that was not necessarily derived in a, in a in an interstitial lung disease population. Um, it's obviously later been validated in, in IPF, um, but it's, it's really important to recognise that that particular, you know, some questionnaires are not disease specific. Um, there's negatives of, of disease specific 
um, patient reported outcome measures as well as positives. Um, I think if you're focusing on a disease specific um, uh, reported measure, you may uh, miss other impacts that are not necessarily disease related um, that you might may pick up from a more generic um, reported questionnaire. Um, I think, you know, so, so I think you, we need to be, when we're using the reported measures, we may need to use a combination um, in order to pick up the areas that we're really interested in. So I think it's knowing the instruments um, and trying to work out exactly what you're interested in, uh, particularly in a research context, um, in order to get the an outcome that you want to look at. So we've spoken about the fact that there's a number of instruments uh, available um, and uh, you mentioned the importance of, um, of, of validation, uh, Shani. I, I just wondered if you had any more thoughts or anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, when, when we're assessing the, the validity of these, these instruments, we you know, we really need to have sort of a cross-sectional evaluation. So, you know, does it does it work well? So assess the actual measurement properties. Are, are you know, does it have consistent um, results um, in patients? Is there is there an error that we we might might detect within the instrument? Um, and and you know, does it capture change? Um, so longitudinally, can we capture change? And I think um, finally, I think one, one important aspect is to recognise that these instruments are only valid in the in the in the uh, clinical situation in which they've been under, undertaken um, uh, validation in. So, for example, um, in they, they they need to be validated in different languages. If you're going to be using it in in in, in different cultures, there may be you know a variety of different cultural adaptations that may affect uh, the validation of that particular measure. So I think that's, it's important that the wording um, is validated um, across those aspects. Yeah, uh, thanks for that, Shaney. And I, I, I guess it's also important to think about the minimally important clinical difference as well, which um, uh, in, in the same vein uh, should be considered in, in which that has been calculated. It, it might not necessarily be applicable to another clinical setting. So really important point. Thank you very much. I think we we talked at the bit at the beginning uh, about some of the the clinical trials and how we might not always pick up side effects of medication. I, I guess that's true in non pharmacological studies as well. Is is to sort of understand the, the impact an intervention might be having on a patient. And uh, I think you mentioned fatigue as well, which is a, a especially important in palliative care. Um, is is thinking about maybe supplementing some of these specialist measures with a with an depth um, questionnaire um, around fatigue if, if that's the, the, the construct of, of interest. Um, and uh, in, in terms of um, thinking about um, health-related quality of, of life, um, maybe just a, a bit more of a, a, a general question. Do you, do you think that's some uh, terminology that patients use? I'm sort of thinking about the, the sophistication that we sometimes put in, in into measures. Um, do, you, do you think that we ask the questions in, in the right way? Do you think we use the right terminology? And that's, that's a really interesting point. One that I perhaps hadn't um, you know, thought about previously, but I, I, I think you're completely right that um, you know, it's more about the the impact and how how that affects their 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 quality of life. But perhaps the terminology itself isn't what a patient 
would use and there may be more uh, sort of specific um different ways of being able to to put that for example impact on their day-to-day um working yeah um and and i i think that's uh, an important the day-to-day working is an important aspect of quality of life that i think we often miss is is sometimes that impact of of disease on earning capacity and and, and ability to work as well as other sort of social activities um yeah. And and you you mentioned the importance of the the, the qualitative information that patients share, um, and I I like your your concept of the how are you. I, I think often that's you know how are you. It's something we say, but we're not always interested in the result. But in the context of being a clinician, we are. And and is that often a trigger for uh, opening up a bigger conversation? Do you find that patients d- disclose a lot in response to that when it's asked in an authentic way? Yeah, I, th- I, I think I think that's entirely entirely right. That I think sometimes um, you know when, when you're asking specific questions, uh, they will give you a specific answer, um, but actually a more open-ended question um, really enables the patient to tell you, you know, what's important to them and how how actually they're feeling and, and what what they're scared about and what they're worried about. Yes. Yeah. Um... And, and then thinking in terms of your um, uh, re- research, Shaney, and I, I know you come from a, a science background and um, uh, uh, and, and that um, uh, outcome measures are, are not your core speciality, but an important aspect of your work. Um, I'm guessing you've never had any training <laughs> because most, <laughs> most of us as clinicians don't have training in thinking about how we we. Um, select uh, outcome measures that don't contain clinical markers. Um, well, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, and, and I think that, that's 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 you know really true. I think I think um, you know we we all have training, and I think that's just how things have evolved over time as well. That you know we were all you know traditionally trained on on efficacy markers and, and objective markers. Um, but certainly, you know, I think more education about the importance of patient-reported outcome measures and and how to develop a patient-reported outcome measures and and the um, the, the, the strict um, strategies of development and, and the guidance that's out there in how to develop these these uh, particular uh, processes um, and. and you know the amount of validation that they they go through. It's not just a, a random set of questions that that's chosen. Um, they've been through strict uh, validation um, uh, methods in order to to you know to really assess the measurement properties. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, uh, th- thank you for for raising that. I, uh, I often when you you see a list of questions, you, it can feel that they've been randomly uh, assembled. But but you're absolutely right. Developing a new instrument takes years, not not only in the development, but in that validation process as well. Um, and I, I think sometimes we. Um, we, we have to take stock and, and, and maybe put a pause on, on developing new measures, but think about what we've got and, and working collaboratively to ensure they're, they're, they're used to the, the best possible ability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, and, and, and just in terms of, of thinking about the, the sort of palliative care uh, context, um, do you think that we use different measures at different stages of the disease um, process or do you think it's important to use the the sort of same measures to 
kind of get a better feel for for progression or sometimes different instruments feel more relevant at different stages I'd, I'd be kind of yeah. interested I th- in I, th- I think that's entirely right I think you know when you're thinking about the patient reported outcome measure I, I guess you could see them as a screening tool so a one-off one-off tool um, you could perhaps use them as, as monitoring so that there's feedback of the results to, to the clinician um, but then the more sen- patient-centered approach, I, I suggest, is that you know there's feedback to both the patient and the clinician, and 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 that uh, you know as as time goes on, perhaps more emphasis on on on, on symptom control, uh, sim- uh, symptoms and impact uh, would be more important, you know, as the disease progresses. So I think there's definitely a role for, for perhaps changing the patient reported outcome measure as the disease process progresses yeah yeah um and and uh, and and that is essential that the patient gets feedback i i think often that's something that that, that is lacking and and patients can feel that they're um they they're completing questionnaires for clinician benefit rather than their own benefit so definitely we we need to move towards uh, in integrating uh, patients um in, in in care to that extent and I, I i wonder you you may you may not have done and it's it's just something that i'm has come to mind now but um i wonder how often we we work with our patients to to decide which outcome measures are best um, uh, you might do that more than me, um, but uh, um, I, I, th- no, I think I think, I think you're completely right. I think um, you know. I think I think that conversation and the inter- the ongoing interaction is is absolutely Im- Im- imperative. Um, you know, even from as you're aware from you know from the very outset when these outcome measures are being developed. You know, whilst there is perhaps an initial core set of values or, or outcomes that perhaps clinicians want to assess, you know, clearly one of the first optimization steps is is really to choose which of those items is important and and for patients which which of those are most most valid um, for, for them. Yeah. So it sounds like as a community, we've still got quite a bit of work to do <laughs> in terms of consolidating uh, our approaches. I, th- I, th- I think I think you're totally right. I think um, you know. I-, I think traditionally our interventions have been aimed to try and perhaps modify the fibrotic process or slow progression, um, and, and 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 perhaps we've been observing things over too too short a period. Um, but I think gradually we're becoming, um, you know, it's becoming clearer that that you know the patient centred approach is, is is really the the prominent way forward. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic note to, to end on, Shaney. And, uh, and and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to learn more about your, your practice and your use of patient-reported measures. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for your time too. Thank you. Thank you.